Welcome, welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast. You are listening to episode 102, Over the Garden Wall, Candy Camouflage! I wish I had a candy camouflage. <laughs> uh, I am Mason Smith, rotoscoper numero uno tonight. I will be your host and MC, whatever, and I'm here with my fellow hosts and fellow MCs, Morgan Stradling and Chelsea Robson. Say hello. Hello, everybody. So for those of you who don't know, this is the second live show that we have done. We are so excited. It's taken us a long time to get here. It seems every other podcast and YouTube channel in the world has been doing live shows, but we've just been, you know, like 2D animation stuck in the past. But now we're <laughs> back up and we we're exciting. So you can go to rotoscopers.com slash live to watch future live shows. And also rotoscopers.com at the very bottom has a list of future episodes and when we'll be recording. So let's not talk yep. about the future. Let's talk about the now. The now. And now I have this beautiful new setup uh, for my broadcasting. I, like <laughs> I wish it. you could see everything that's off camera. I got my laptop here. Oh, I am the chat master again tonight, so I will be uh, chatting it up. Um, don't be offended if we don't bring up what you're saying in chat because we don't want to get distracted. <laughs> but I will be here to cause a ruckus on the chat wing. Um, so make sure to log into that so you can participate in live chat. We're going to be having a lot of fun today. Um, over the garden wall. My goodness. Um, this was a patron's choice. So if you are unfamiliar with uh, the, with our, our Patreon pro subscription program, um, we are able to do these things like video broadcasts, and um, we're able to um, do things like uh, review recent movies that have come out, and uh, also all of our subscribers, uh, you know, we can do patron's choice thanks to our patrons. And so uh, it's an ever-growing community uh, that we call the Roto Nation, so... Uh, it's a it's it's an honorable it's an honorable uh, organization. We have our own Facebook group, and I believe that the patrons who give um, at least ten dollars a month and have been patrons for at least three months can pick what movies we we review, right? Movie of their choice. So this a was movie of their choice. This was chosen by Rachel Wagner. Aha. Uh -huh. So initially, when we did this, I thought that no one would be interested in the ten dollar patron level. Turns, I thought $5 would definitely be what everyone wanted. And turns out our most popular level is the $10 level. And right now we have so many patrons at the $10 and up level that our patrons' choice episodes are scheduled out till 2017. Like, I'm not even... <laughs> that means we have to commit to that long. Not that, not that we're thinking of leaving, but, like, it feels good that we have such, like, pre-programmed longevity. Yes, yes. So, you know, really what this means is we have to get up to that level that makes it so we can do this show every week because 2017 that's crazy we need a definitely need to speed that along because i want to get to all these patrons movies oh potatoes and molasses if you want some oh just ask us the warm and soft like puppies and socks filled with cream and candy rocks oh potatoes and molasses it's very much happening in live action. Like if you go on Hulu or Netflix, that these 10 part miniseries are starting to crop up and I love it. I love it. Um, we did uh, wayward pines. We were watching that. Um, I just love that. We have these self-contained little miniseries, sorry, that you can, um, that you can digest like in 10 episodes. And then it's like this tiny little contained story. 
and um, we'll talk about whether I want the series to continue on. But uh, for now, I'm sure I was uh, very, I was very curious about this miniseries. I had heard a lot from it, a lot about it from our patrons, but also uh, friends of mine in my my program here on on campus, and I didn't know what to think. Just to let everybody know that we are all going to be going through all spoilers. Um, in That's this. right. Major so, spoiler alert. <laughs> if you haven't seen it and you're like, eh, I don't mind spoilers, then hey, join along. Um, but if you're like, actually, I don't want to be spoiled about anything, then all you have to do is go to rotoscopers.com slash over the garden wall or over the garden wall, iTunes, over the garden wall, Amazon, and you'll be able to download slash buy the whole series and be able to watch it with us. I have all those links in the show notes as usual, so you can definitely check them out. So you, because I know people are so pumped that we are doing this. When I announced it on Twitter, just we've gotten so many tweets saying yes, and people <laughs> are pumped. So I'm really excited. You know, like Mason said, we had heard a lot about this from the patrons. They, you know, in our patron group, a lot of people, there's a lot of discussion that happens, you know, favorite animated movies and TV shows and current events and different things. And this got brought up quite a bit, like all the time they were talking about mm -hmm. Wall. And yeah. I, had, I wasn't really familiar with it. So I sort of just glazed over those discussions because I, some, I don't like really getting in deep of things that I don't know. <laughs> I'm planning on watching Fear it. Fear of missing out. No, no, no. I, I planned on watching it at some point, so I didn't want to get spoiled or whatnot. So I'm glad that I finally caught up. It was It's very simple to catch up. It's only 10 episodes. Each are about 10 to 12 minutes each. So it's really basically the length of a feature film. And so that's why we chose yeah. to do this miniseries. Because uh, most TV series, if we were to do, that's a big commitment to do you know, to watch the whole thing in a week. Well, what am I saying? We're, we live in the Netflix age. People binge watch <laughs> all the time. But nonetheless, it's a bigger commitment than we're used to, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so this, uh, okay, so Over the Garden Wall, this was created by Patrick McHale. He, um, this was like first pitched um, back in like 2004, I think. So it's been in production for a very long time. Of course, real production was stalled because when he first pitched it, I think they went with, uh, Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack at Cartoon Network, which is a great show, and Hale, McHale worked on it. And then, of course, Adventure Time, which is like their like flagship series now. So Patrick <laughs> yeah. Hale started out, he was a um, creative director for Adventure Time, and then he went on to be a writer. And so he's, he's very involved, and he's been... Um, I watched a few featurettes on how they made Over the Garden Wall, and it went over many, went through many revisions. It was actually more creepy when it started out in pre-production, you know, pre-pre-production, than the actual product, if you can find that hard to believe. First recollections, okay, this, of course, this was back in, um, it was like late 2014 when it started out, and then I guess it ran for like that whole year, and I had never heard of it. I've, I had heard of Gravity Falls, of course, I'd heard of Adventure Time, um, there's a few other ones on like Nickelodeon, uh, Gumball. I, I, I lumped them all into this, like this, like new mature kids cartoons that Cartoon Network and Net and, and Nickelodeon are doing. So if I ever, if I ever draw a parallel to Adventure Time or something that, that, and, uh, I'm kind of flippant about it, then that's where I'm coming from. But I was very, very, very impressed with Over the Garden Wall. I was fairly addicted to it and hooked by the time I finished watching. Yeah, so it was a five-night miniseries, so it had these ten episodes, but they oh, okay. had it over basically five nights. 
Um, and yeah, like you said, he, he graduated in 2006 and he kind of pitched this idea when he started working for Cartoon Network and they liked it and they were going to make it a series. Um, but then he got moved to their feature film division and they were going to pitch, they were going to create it as a feature film. Uh, and then, like you said, Adventure Time, Adventure Time got in the way and... Doesn't it always? <laughs> I know, isn't that just that small little thing called Adventure Time? <laughs> right. That, you know, became so huge as it is, they said, hey, do you have anything else you want to pitch? And Over the Garden Wall became, except for it was not called Over the Garden Wall. It was originally called Tome from the Unknown. And Tome is basically like a book, and it was sort of like this Bible that they used, and it was very mysterious. Um, and so there is a short, and the short one um, at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival. I was reading a um, an interview by him at, on the Nerdist website, so I'll include a link to that in the show notes. But he was talking about the process of getting this made. Um, and then the short, ultimately, what became Over the Garden Wall. And they changed the name to Over the Garden Wall because the tome, this book, disappeared when they were moving from the short to the actual film, to the actual miniseries. So it just huh. didn't sense anymore to have this title about something that doesn't exist but i also included a link to watch that original short um and it's still it right. has elijah wood as the voice i mean the animation it doesn't look like oh they had a low budget and then they had the full budget for the show i mean it looks exactly the same so mm -hmm. that's what i thought was really cool watching that and just kind of seeing uh how this came to be yeah, that's cool. And while we're um, while we're talking here, we're gonna get into well, I'm gonna get into like things like the lore, theories about what is what, secrets that you might have missed in the series. And so, I got all that from my research, and I watched uh, several YouTube videos. I watched uh, from PBS uh, Ideas Channel, uh, this guy named Trey the Explainer, and then Virtual Jordan. So, kudos out to those guys for compiling these really awesome YouTube videos, like explaining all the the intricacies and, um, and, and strange connections within the series, this, this mini series is very well put together. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to digest, a lot of secrets. And so I got a lot of stuff from them. So shout out to them. <laughs> they helped my research for this, uh, prep for this episode a lot. So my initial thoughts, like, well, first going into the first episodes, I was just like, what is this? <laughs> because the humor is so interesting. and so, um, like you don't really follow it until you, and it, but because you don't follow it really well, you it makes you want to watch it a little bit more just so you can get it. Like I just, like he would throw all these little things like Beatrice. I was like, what is Beatrice's problem? And why does she talk in the first place? Like, you know, oh, yeah. all of these things. Um, not being but, magical. What? For not being magical, she talks, right? Right, yeah. Okay. Like for not being magical at all. Um, oh, but my absolute favorite was when it's like, oh, yeah, we found Fred. <laughs> what? You talk? <laughs> like, <the> horse. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah, Fred the horse. Well, we didn't, we didn't steal. Well, you can't really steal Fred. He's a talking horse. He can pretty much do what he wants. <laughs> there are a lot of great quotes in this miniseries, and so I might oh, go I'm... off on a few quotes. I, I know I, I wrote down some that I really liked. I wish that I would have been able to remember all of the quotes is the thing. Like I, I'll have to go in and watch these again just so that I can find some of these quotes because they really are hilarious. Like the writing in it, it was like, like I said, you don't catch it at first, but then as you w keep watching it, it just like sucks you in. Yeah. All right. What about you, Morgan? What was yeah. your, how was your experience? Oh, I, 
I actually was blown away. I had, like I said, heard about this in the patron group and sort of dismissed it a little bit despite the huge uh, excitement that Rachel and Aja had for this. I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if that's for me, but they claim it's amazing, so let's give it a chance. <laughs> and for the very first episode, it was it was slightly morbid, but um, very Victorian. It had lovely music, and it just oh, very... Yeah much intrigued me and so after the first episode I could not how am I trying to say this I could not push play on the second episode fast enough (laughs) (laughs) just you know kept going from there so I was I was really surprised about how much I liked it but it was very weird it was Alice in Wonderland kind of grotesque in certain spots very scary I mean that first there's a couple of episodes that are very frightening yeah, the, the very first episode, I think they do a great job of establishing the tone because you have the beast. And holy cow, I was well, watching the this. the first movie. episode, it's quote unquote the beast. But uh, yeah, that so, whole concept of like a frightening nightmare creature. So yeah, I I mm. enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that. We're going to give uh, pretty good coverage to the characters and also the art and the music. And also in, in between that, I guess we'll talk about like the overall tones and themes of this series because it does go pretty deep and it it does bring up some pretty like mature themes i guess um well and so oh yeah watching this i definitely didn't think like oh this is for kids you know i think you can think the greg how just so juvenile he is (laughs) i liked greg very little um but then you have all these underlying themes that make it so much deeper and Yes, there are some really bonkers situations that happen, but still, I didn't feel that it was childish in any way. Bonkers is a great way to describe it. Yeah, so the first episode we meet uh, our two heroes, Wirt, uh, played by Elijah Wood, which is really cool. And I guess I, I've been watching Lord of the Rings too much because I don't, I didn't know how he sounded with an American accent instead of a, a British <laughs> accent. And I'm not going to be doing my British accent because I know Aja's on the chat and she's waiting me for to do a, a crappy British accent so she can make fun of me. And then uh, Greg, so that's Colin Dean, who also did voice work on Adventure Time. Don't ask me which character. I, I, it's, it's like Tiffany or he something. He was really good. I really liked <laughs> isn't Greg. Isn't Greg such a little... I, he's such I an saw, awesome little guy. I bought the whole series on iTunes, and then I was able to download like these extra snippet things, like behind-the-scenes videos. And yeah. so you see Elijah Wood and his like piercing blue eyes that like make you not really want to look at him. Piercing <laughs> blue eyes. It's like there's something hidden behind those eyes. Um, and then you see this like the cutest little kid, Colin Dean, as he comes around, and he's just like, "Well, you know, it's just so great." But I'm like. Oh my gosh, I want to like take you home and put you in my pocket. Oh, pack just, one up. I'll take two. <laughs> when they were casting for Wirt, they they said, oh, we want a voice like Elijah Wood. And so they were <laughs> someone like him. And then they just, the casting directors just went up and asked Elijah Wood, like, hey, do you want to be part of this? He's like, yeah, sure. So that's how Elijah <laughs> Wood came to be. I mean, I guess it never hurts yeah, that. Yeah, sure. It's not like Wilfred is going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Wirt and Greg, they work so well as this like C-3PO, R2-D2 duo, which of course is derived from classic literature when you have famous duos. You know, there's the doubter and the optimist or the pessimist and the optimist. There's mm-hmm. the doubter and the person with faith. And Wirt is definitely a doubter. I did not like Wirt when I started watching Over the Garden Wall. I thought he was everything that the series said he was, a pushover, 
you know, does everything that he's told. He doesn't really think for himself or he's, he's just wandering aimlessly and, and afraid, which is a huge theme in, in it. But, you know, he over, he over analyzes everything. Like the first couple episodes, he can never make a decision because he's like, let's go in there. No, wait, let's not wait, but we have to go in there. But, Oh no, it's going to be horrible. Well, I guess we're going in because Greg just did something silly that got us hit. <laughs> but his overall arc is so good. Like it's so it's it, you really fear feel for him and fear for him, I guess. But you you are really rooting for Wirt, I guess, or or just wishing he could redeem himself towards the end of the series. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, I I. Over, you know, maybe I'm just overanalyzing this, but I think Over the Garden Wall is definitely it's Wirt's story about how he overcame his own weaknesses, and uh, and learned to to face his fears. You know, Greg, on the other hand, he just wants to have a good time. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> and keep his frog safe. Right. One thing that I saw between the two, I thought that Wirt was a little bit more of like the poet, more of the the non I don't want to say nonsensical but it's like the one who thinks outside of the box and it's just kind of like what are you saying I don't get it um and then Greg was a lot more of the literal minded where it will say something he's like oh you mean I have to go and do this okay and he like does it literally like no 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 no. Uh, like tells people on him what their plans were like oh I thought I was supposed to hit you on the head no 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 (laughs) yeah um he's very I don't know that first quote. I can leave a trail of candy from my pants. That's the moment in episode one that I knew I was gonna really like Greg, and people <laughs> in the chat are berating me for apparently hating Wirt. I feel like the internet just just breeds hyperbole, <laughs> but I don't hate Wirt just because I didn't like him at the beginning. I liked him at the at the by the end because <laughs> I understood what he was really going through. But um, Greg is just he's just so silly, like everything he's just in he's like literally in his own mindset like he is in tune with his own frequency and and yet he's he's completely optimistic and um very like he will just go and do things he doesn't think first about whether he can do it he just goes and does it and uh, so watching some youtube videos people have uh, if you play smash brothers or if you have a a, a, Ninten- a super nintendo um most of you on chat probably don't even know what that is, but <laughs> uh, parallels have been drawn between uh, Greg and Ness from the uh, game Earthbound or Mother Two, I think it was called in Japan. And so both Ness and Greg has have this kind of uh, characterization to where they don't doubt their they don't ever doubt whether they can do something. They just go out and do it, and mm. they're fearless optimists, and um, they're definitely the opposite of Wirt. And so I thought they made a great duo. And then very, very soon we are introduced to uh, a third member who mixes up the group even more. Yes. Beatrice. Super sassy little bluebird. <laughs> and the very first first time we see her, she's like, there's nothing magical about me. Like, it's not magical at all. Just a talking bird, you know? <laughs> and so that's when I was like, oh. Okay, like the, from the very beginning, I'm not quite sure where we are, and they don't establish that at all. They're just lost. They're two boys mm-hmm. who are lost. They're trying to find their way home. They're not quite sure how they got there. And then we're thrown into this world that just has all these, you know, like I said, bonkers, bizarre situations, talking animals, and, and we're supposed to figure it out as we go, which is what I think is so intriguing about this miniseries. 
is because it's making you think and you're trying to figure it out while the story is being presented. Yeah, How absolutely. dare they make us think? Well, that, that's why I love this. So yeah, exactly. Like I love that there's very little exposition. It's, it's probably if, okay, major spoiler here, but it's the first episode probably starts like literally five minutes after they get lost in the unknown after the, after they fall in the water. Like it's just boom, here we are. And, and they're figuring it out as we figure it out, you know? And so mm -hmm. I thought that was a really clever storytelling device to just start it off um, with that first episode, like boom. And my assumptions when, when I watched the first episode was like, all right, we're in uh, the Renaissance or the 1600s or we're in some fantasy world and we have an apprentice wizard because the hat made me think of Schmedrick from The Last Unicorn. <laughs> and then we have Greg who's some sort of like nomad boy who wears a teapot, you know, as a helmet, you know? And then of course they explain why everyone's dressed like that, why they're there um and stuff or you get to see why uh, why things are the way things are and it's just really interesting how we grow as a viewer watching this miniseries because we know nothing and we're making our, our our own wild assumptions with the characters in the first episode and then things come full circle in the last episode and that was just super cool very intelligent storytelling mm -hmm. so then we have the frog who basically every episode has a different name he has over 10, I think he, he gives a total of 10 names. Wart Jr. was the first. Oh yeah, Wart, Wart, Wart Jr. At some at one point he is named uh, Jason Funderburker, so, <laughs> which causes confusion at the end. And then uh, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Why is the frog in your pants? Eh, he can do what he wants. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, so the frog is uh, the singing voice is Jack Jones, uh, who's like you know renowned singing voice, and he gets you don't know it till you don't know it till the end, but it's actually the frog who's singing that um, that haunting um, intro song with the piano solo at the very beginning, and um, and so and then of course he has his own he has his own uh, song on the uh, the little toad barge the paddle boat that they're on. <laughs> Um, and then uh, we talked about Beatrice, right? Yeah, we talked about her. But we didn't talk about the woodsman and Christopher Lloyd. Oh, the woodsman is such a complex character. Yeah, with his daughter's light shining in his lamp. And it's like, whoa. You know yeah. when, when Christopher Lloyd goes from like a deep voice to like, oh, this voice, you know? I, that, I get so much Doc nostalgia from Back <laughs> to the Future when I hear that. But he was yeah. really good. What were you going to say, Morgan? Oh, I just said the very first episode, like we've mentioned, there's all these really strange elements that are introduced. And the one that he's pressing wood for oil. Um, oh, right. Thing. <laughs> but it, it, it works. Whatever. And then you find out. Well, it's interesting because in that first episode, he talks so, um, what is it, forebodingly? Uh, or like mystically about it. He's like, this is my burden to bear. I find the trees, I grind them into oil to keep my lantern burning. You know, this is my burden and I must carry it. You know, and at first you're you're like, you're right there with Wirt. You're just like, okay, he's a weirdo. Let's move on, you know? But later on, it makes so much more sense. And this is what my friends were saying when they were talking about the show to me. They were saying, it's really, really funny, but it ha it does have a plot, but it's very, not everything is plot centric, you know, yeah. there are tons of wacky, uh, zany situations that happen that either, either don't have anything to do with the plot and are total red herrings or, um, 
they they do have something to do with the plot, but you just don't know it yet, you know, yeah, or they're I, foreshadowing something that happens. I thought he was a villain at the beginning. I thought, okay, you know, we escaped him, we escaped the beast, and we we're going to move on. But I had a feeling that he was going to come back, and he did, but just not in the way that I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And for a while, I was right there with Wirt. I thought he was the beast, you know, lantern, mm -hmm. singing, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and so other memorable characters... Um, I really like Jason Funderburger. <laughs> He's like the most annoying and pathetic character on the whole show. And like, like Wirt is like, oh, everyone loves him. He's so much greater than me. <laughs> He's going to go out with Sarah and I'm not. <laughs> See, that's when, when they start introducing that, um, you know, first you think this is set back in time. And then they start introducing these elements that seem very modern. And you're like, girlfriend, you want to, what? And, I really oh yeah, like and that's the that's the big reveal. Oh my gosh! But mostly, I just love Jason Funderburger. <laughs> <laughs> He's so great. Apparently, he was modeled after a young um, uh, Patrick Mc Mc McHale. Patrick McHale. Oh right. Like, he's supposed to look like he did back in high school. That's funny. Yeah, well, so. I mean, if you're going to put yourself in, in a show, you might as well do it at your glory days, right? <laughs> yeah, well. Um, and then uh, Sarah's pretty cute. She's like, I don't know, I like her one quote. I wrote it down here. It's like, oh, we're just going to hang out and drink age-appropriate drinks. Yeah, you know, <laughs> age-appropriate stuff that isn't legal. That isn't illegal. <laughs> I was like, this is a great show for kids. I want my kids to watch this. <laughs> And then I saw the last episode, and I was like, oh, this is really scary. Maybe not, but maybe so. Uh, maybe one episode per year, and by the time they're 12, they can watch the last episode. It's like Harry Potter books. It's like, mm, I don't think you're ready for volume seven yet. I don't think yeah. you're ready for book four yet. At least maybe not the last half, but anyway. What about Adelaide? Oh, Adelaide. She was really creepy. And then um, Auntie what? Whispers is her... Oh, my gosh. Auntie Whispers is voiced by Tim Curry. Isn't that oh great? <laughs> yes. Hey, did anybody think she'd look just like, uh, what's her name, Unibaba or something like that from Spirited Away? Yeah. That's one of the, the correlations I made. I felt that this felt very Miyazaki and very Spirited Away to me, where it's just and, all these really wonky characters and you just accept them. Yeah, yeah in that particular scene when she's walking uh, through, she, you know... Um, I can't remember any quotes, and I can't do a good Tim Curry voice, as as you've heard in the um, Farngully episode. But I just thought the way she just had this gigantic head and tiny arms, tiny limbs, and giant bulging eyes that kind of shifted around everywhere. I was like, gosh, I'm getting a real Spirited Away vibe with this lady. I don't know if anyone else did. Well, yeah. The moment she starts eating the turtles, you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Things that make you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I loved Anti Whispers, and actually, there were so many amazing side characters that um, that just blew me away by how funny they are. Okay, and a wait, lot wait. of it. Oh, yeah. Sorry, another another funny side character. Now that you're talking about it, was the teacher in like episode three or something. Oh, the teacher. <laughs> a is A is for apple that he gave to me, but it was warm inside. He had a oh very God. like Betty Boop type style of singing. Yeah, and then, like, why is the question that I keep asking, why did he leave me? It's just like, oh, Beatrice says, oh, this girl's got baggage. I'm like, yeah, she does. Yeah, she does. Her whole life is about Jimmy. 
<laughs> Jimmy. Jimmy, who's like Hank Hill. He has like very like Mike Judge voice. <laughs> he does. All right. I think a lot of the appeal of the show has to do with the art. And it was hard for me to get a grasp on what exactly we were dealing with here. It was like, it was like Americana folk culture from like the late 1800s, early 1900s, and it just explored all the quirky things that was that were going on in that time period, like creepy rural agricultural communities <laughs> that have their own weird rituals. Um, you know, oh, tiny schoolhouses with forlorn school teachers. You know, big band uh, concerts on a on a paddle boat. You know, it's just stuff that I don't think modern animation has even touched yet. I mean, there's <laughs> Princess and the Frog, but that didn't take it where this show took it. No. You know, and I I really loved it. You know, part of me wishes we had done this as a Halloween slash October episode, because the whole style and all the colors and the sound effects, just the the diegetic world that they set up just made me feel that autumn breeze, you know, and all the smells and sounds came back. And um, of course I'm languishing in a hundred degree Texas summer right now. And so maybe that's why I really want to wait, really want to go back to autumn. (laughs) Oh yeah. That was another thing. Yeah. It definitely fit for an autumn fall slash Halloween theme. Halloween was very obvious, but right. Just how, I don't know. People love fall. It's a very happy time, even though it's a gloomy time. And I thought it was yeah. perfect in fall. Yeah, the thing about autumn is that everything has this uncanny look. Like, it, you see a tree, but it doesn't look like a tree you've seen all year, you know? The, yeah. the leaves are different or they're off. And so the whole the tree makes a completely different sound because of that. And so it really gives off this, like, haunting, spooky vibe. And, and it was really captured in this, in this show. Yeah. Well, and when they go to the random, like the pumpkin place, like where all the pumpkins are alive at the very beginning. <laughs> and they're like... The Huskin this... barn or the Huskin bee. Yeah, he's like, no one ever leaves here. <laughs> yeah, it's very Children of the Corn-esque, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just love it. Just in, intricate, you know, layouts and backgrounds. And then there's this a couple of the animated sequences just blew me away by how different they were from the rest of the show. I, I, I think... Um, one of them was uh, the Highwayman song, you know, when he's like, I'll drag you off the road, steal the shoes off of your feet, you know, and he stumbles back, you know, and then he come gets up close to the camera. There's this really cool YouTube video. Um, Nick Cross is his name. He was creative director for that episode, at least. And it shows his uh, it shows his technique of how he. Um, how he uh, produced that shot, you know, it goes from the animatic to the rough animation and stuff. So I guess we have it here on the, on the Google doc that we use and uh, hopefully maybe we can put in the show notes too. We can make that happen. Mason. We can make it work. (laughs) And uh, what about the music? Like the music was great. was so brilliant. I loved it. First off, I have a Pandora station that's sort of old timey thirties, forties jazz. Oh Yeah. It's just so unique and different, and it just like kind of takes you back. It's very calming, and so at the very beginning we had you know music that was that mm-hmm. style, and I loved it. But then it really varied in its style. There were opera singers at different points. There was a jug band. Oh, um, that's right. Had that common vein of this old timey jazz, which helped to set this period back. You know, we were saying this is more of a Victorian era. I'm um, Victorian and 1940s jazz don't necessarily align, and so that's kind of where. 
I don't know. It, it kind of had this like kind of vaudeville kind of or like cabaret rock kind of vibe, you know, where everything had the the gross sounding piano, you know, and and stuff like that, you know, things like big bands and, and things like that, and, and that jazzy element too, definitely. Mm-hmm. So what I was in those articles that I'm going to link in the show notes, the different interviews that I was reading. So they used real instruments. It was very complex, and they wanted to make sure to wow. get this they wanted they use real instruments instead of synths which is common for you know tv shows and whatnot when you don't have the budget for a full you know big band or orchestra so i thought that was impressive maybe that was just one it does it makes a difference having a live mm-hmm. recording it really does um and especially since the music was so crucial to carrying this i mean not only was there instrumentals but there were songs but they yeah. were Broadway type of songs or Disney type of songs. They oh yeah, they were so well done. It, it was like uh, Phineas and Ferb level songs. <laughs> okay, so what was y'all's favorite song or songs? Potatoes and molasses. <laughs> if you can't see and put on your glasses. <laughs> oh, I love it. Who would have thought that a song about potatoes and molasses would be a favorite? But that moment. Super catchy. Funny. <laughs> They're much. They're so much sweeter than algebra classes. <laughs> Stomach is grumbling. Mouth starts a mumbling. There's only one thing to keep your brain from crumbling. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Greg, you know, the voice actor for Greg just makes it all the more adorable. Yeah. Well, okay. It, it goes back and forth between the the toy makers song, the court. Oh my song, gosh, the Corton song. The Corton song, that one, and also the the teacher when she's like her ABCs for her loneliness. Her her love strut, her lovesick ABCs. All right, yeah. um, potatoes and molasses is a close second, but I love like Chelsea. Chelsea said, I'm right there with her. The Corton song by the toy maker, and if you'll permit me, I will sing the first voice of the Corton <laughs> we permit, song. We permit. The Corton song um, in my best toy maker voice. I have to do a little bit of this. <laughs> Ride a laughing letter boy with swoops and sweeps and curls. Cal- calligraphers are just the thing to help you win your girl. Then you need to dress up smart. The tailor's here by chance. You'll switch your trousers, hold your belt, and find courture of France. <laughs> your shoes, my goodness, how they're worn, but you're too young to know. There's nothing courts a woman scorn scuffs on the toe. <laughs> The cobbler can attend to that. Meanwhile, you must have cake. The baker and patissier need good for, need work for goodness sake. Hi, dee 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 dum dee day. What a merry time we'll have upon your wedding day. <laughs> and at this time, Mert's like, what? <laughs> Hi, dee dee dum dee dum dee day. There's work for all when little boys get married. <laughs> I love that guy's like quivering singing voice. It's it's kind of falsetto. Kind of, um, it's just, it's very quiet and just trying so hard. Uh, I know it's, it's it's got this, I, it's hard to put it in time, you know, but it's, it's, it sounds just like classic music, not classical, but like classic music. I was watching some videos about kind of like little secret connections within the series. And one thing that stood out was, uh, the beast has his own song called come wayward souls. And the the song if you really listen to it it's kind of like a um it's like um it's like an anti remix of the song oh holy night like if you took the lyrics um you could totally sing it to the tune you know and i can't do his voice but it's kind of like come wayward souls who wander through the darkness you know 
There is a light for the lost and the meek. And like, it's such a creepy song. The lyrics are so creepy. And yet it's this like weird opera, like baritone voice coming from this like creepy, like he's like the embodiment of all darkness and fear. And I just thought that was a really weird like thing that they did with his song and that he even had a song. What were you saying, Morgan? Oh, just the fact that, you know, we have this soundtrack and these songs that we're talking so much about. I was looking on Amazon and I couldn't find a soundtrack to purchase, which I think is such a shame. You know, I don't blame Cartoon Network. Okay, we're going to do this little mini series and, you know, we'll see how it does. And it ends up taking Mm -hmm. off and being something that people around the world love. Um, Maybe they will release a soundtrack at some point. You can find it on YouTube and there's- On the Cartoon Network uh, YouTube account, they have the main songs in in good quality. They're each about a minute and a half long. Yeah, but you can't buy them. So I guess, you know, YouTube is the new iTunes. So I'll look in there. Yeah, who knows? All right, so uh, the humor in the show. What did y'all think? I was so afraid it would turn into Adventure Time. Well, I'm, I've never seen Adventure Time. Is it similar? Yes um, and no. Like, okay, so Adventure Time is very similar um, to Over the Garden Wall, but the humor revolves around different subjects, whereas Adventure Time, is it's very centralized around um, pop culture and, like, nerd culture, you know, like fantasy stuff, science fiction. Yes. And, um, and, you know, definitely pop culture. But this one is, I think the humor is a little more interesting because it centers around quirky characters that are based on um, folk culture from, you know, Americana and stuff like that. And so, yes, you do have, it, it, both shows have this kind of we're all mad here vibe, you know. But I personally liked Over the Garden Wall a little bit better because... Uh, Amer- Adventure Time is like what happens when every character is like Greg, and sometimes I get a little <laughs> overloaded with that. Although it is a very good show, a very well put together show, and, and Pendleton Ward is a creative genius. I just like Over the Garden Wall better. <laughs> okay, see good that's no. You know, now that we're kind of on this vein of Adventure Time versus comparing, you know, to Over the Garden Wall, I haven't been able to get into Adventure Time just because it just has all these seasons and it's very much a commitment while over the garden wall, it was one season. Each episode wasn't even a full, you know, 20 minutes. It was 10 minutes mm-hmm. and it was very digestible. And so I was able to get through it in basically, you know, a few hours and I loved it while adventure time, everyone loves it. I'm sure I would love it, but I just don't feel ready to make that big old commitment, you know? Yeah. And maybe I should, I probably should, but someday. Well, I'm gonna get through on how it's on a time first. I'm on season two. Oh no, you're doomed then. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. I don't know. I thought that mostly everything that Greg says is like really cute and funny in a really random way. Yeah, I enjoyed. Ain't that just the way? I enjoyed the banter between Beatrice and Wirt. Oh and yeah. Just really anything Beatrice said, really, I just liked her quips. Like (laughs) at the very beginning, one of her, one of her. Like, she was just like, you two lost kids are with no purpose in life, right? <laughs> it's like, like, maybe they're going oh, go, oh, to bury you there. Yep, that's what they're going to do. <laughs> he's like freaking out as he's like digging in the pump of the pumpkin patch. Very sarcastic. Oh, I love that montage when <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, I love Beatrice and, and Wirt because like that one time when they're in the that old guy's mansion, the John Cleese episode. 
he's like, ah, doors lock. I guess we'll have, we're stuck here and we'll have to spend some quality time together. Help! <laughs> <laughs> she does not want to spend quality time with Wirt. Aw, oh, but then they like, I don't know. I know everyone was shipping Wirt and Beatrice, but it was just not meant to be by the end of the series. But they, they formed a good bond at the end. I love the theme of fear in this show. If you notice, in every episode, someone is afraid of something, and that's the central conflict from the episode. You know, I'm afraid of the beast in the woods. I'm afraid of this painting because there's a ghost. You know, we're afraid of the beast. <laughs> you know, I think the whole show is about Wirt, like, obviously it is, like, Wirt conquering his his fear of the unknown, definitely. Well, that's what the that's what the whole town is called, unknown. Yeah, the so, whole like the whole land is called unknown. It's like everything. He's afraid of everything, and um, I don't know. You could kind of look at that in a really deep metaphysical, philosophical way, and like I am afraid of life itself. Interesting, but I liked it. Yeah, definitely. Any other themes? Lots of themes. Um, you know, theme of strangers. Themes mm -hmm. of, like Chelsea said, life, mortality, themes of regret. You see that a lot with lots work. of regret, sadness, depression, um, themes of, I mean, there's so many themes this, that they represent and that we focus on in different episodes. Cool. So how did y'all feel with the big reveal? I'm talking about when you finally figure out where they actually are. Well, it doesn't really explain where they actually are, but we go back in time to how this all happened. I was like totally confused. I was like, wait a second. We're listening to rock music. Wait a second. Wirt's wearing like modern clothes. Wait a second. There's a fan and a tape player. <laughs> They're in a house. It's a neighborhood and cars. What's going on? And so it's actually set in modern day. I want to say like the mid nineties, late eighties, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. And either the that best or all time of time period. Either that or it's modern day and all of Wirt's friends are hipsters because <laughs> that's kinda what it was. You know? East Nashville. <laughs> and it explains how they got there and how who Sarah is and the struggle Wirt has facing the unknown. Like does she like him or not? Which I can relate to him. Like when you were in high school or middle school and maybe you finally got around to asking someone to dance or asking someone out you know, or asking someone on, on a date or whatever, there's always that element of the unknown. Like, will they say no? Or will they say yes? Like, will you get what you desire or will your dream like be shattered? Basically, that's how it works in, in high school. <laughs> and it's just so. interesting that this whole time it's set up, you know, it's this big thing. What is it? What is it? What is it? And it's just something as simple as asking a girl out. Right. <laughs> But I love that for that reason that it's able to, in our mind, take on the form of something so much bigger, you know, this unknown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was for a split second when they were right in front of that train, right before they got out of the train's way, I thought, oh my gosh, they're dead. They're dead this whole time. They're in the afterlife. <laughs> well, there are many people who, who theorize that they are in a sort of afterlife as they hang on between life and death in the water. Hmm. There are a lot of, lot of films, a lot of movies film and a movie is the same thing, but that focus <laughs> on this, oh, I'm in another world, I'm actually dead, and this is the time in between, and um, so yeah. All right, so do you think it was all real? 
Do you think the unknown and all the troubles they went to, do you think it really happened? Or do you think it was something like, um, you know, a, a death trance dream brought on by lack of oxygen in the water? <laughs> or was it like being knocked out and hallucinating? Or was it, was it, was it a real place that was somehow in between, you know, life and death? I can't. I make have theory. I have. I have a theory that it was real. Interesting. And yeah, I'm yeah. willing to back it up. Prove it. Y'all want to hear it? Okay. So when they're in the hospital, okay. First of all, why would they? Why would the miniseries go through so many, um, so many things that Greg did by himself, like off by himself, if it's just worth having a dream? you know, or walking mm -hmm. around in a dream world. Also you in, um, in one of the episodes, the frog swallows auntie whispers bell, which glows. Mm -hmm. That was a terrifying episode, by the way. And <laughs> when they're in the hospital and Wirt is, is, a he's alluding, he makes an allude. He makes a reference to telling the stories that of the adventures they were on, but he doesn't say, you know, he says, and then, Oh, you know, and then, uh, and then Wirt went up and did, oh, Wirt's awake, you know? And so he didn't really say what they did. So it's like, you can't tell if he's, you know, retelling the stories in the miniseries or not. But he's shaking around the frog and the frog has a glowy tummy, meaning that Auntie Whispers Bell is in the frog's tummy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, several fans theorize that the unknown is a place between life and death, but I think it really happened. And so it might've been something like that. I think it could be an Alice in Wonderland type thing where you find yourself in a dream world that, um, or even Alice, uh, or even the wizard of Oz where things are mm -hmm. representative of your life. I have this weird theory is that most dreams that you have are really about things that happen during the day or things that you're worried about. They're just, they just turn yeah. into symbols. And so it might've been something like that. One thing that you should really pay attention to if this is like your first time viewing is the opening montage of episode one. It shows a bunch of really random scenes. Mm -hmm. If you really look at it, it's actually the main characters that they meet in all the episodes before they were in their current predicament. Mm -hmm. You know, like it shows um, a black cat riding on a carriage pulled by two turkeys with a bunch of pumpkins. Oh. And that's actually, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, it starts with Enoch. Enoch, the head pumpkin guy, the one who's like, I sentence you to a few hours of community service. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like happy fun times working in the field. But at the end, during the epilogue, a black cat pops out of the top of Enoch's head. And so you uh -huh. find out that all along Enoch was just this black cat dressed up as Enoch. And, or you see the woodcutter and his daughter is like by the well, like looking out towards the woods. And so that could, could have been moments before she was uh, captured by the beast um, so lots of different, uh, you know, the fish that's fishing, he was in the series. Um, you see Beatrice as a human, um, looking angry and looking off at a bluebird. That could be moments before she chunked the rock that got her cursed, you know? So if you pay attention to the opening montage, it pretty much reveals everything that happens in the show. And, and I didn't know this until I put the captions on for the videos. You can hear a faint train whistle at the start of each episode after episode one. Oh, well, just spoiled it right there. There you have it, folks. There you have it. Interesting. Very, very interesting show. And I, as much as I would love to go chronologically minute by minute through every episode, I think we only have time to really talk about like 
like some really like memorable moments from each episode. I feel like mm-hmm. that's fair to our fans and fans of the show oh, yeah. who want to talk about it. But obviously, we cannot do a minute by a blow by blow playthrough of of every episode. But um, we talked a little bit about the old gristmill, how creepy it was, and how it established this like really macabre vibe. I liked the fairy tale style where you just know that nothing is supposed to make sense. You know, everything that talks, everything that is, does its own thing, like, I think you just accept it. I, I liked that. I don't feel like, I feel like there's not enough of those sometimes. <laughs> but then there are some where you're like, what? Maybe they don't quite get it as, as well. Um, yeah, but this yeah. one, it was telling a fairy tale. And you knew that from the beginning that, all right, uh, these are the rules of the universe. Nothing makes sense. I accept that and move on. <laughs> I accept that and move on. Um, I thought that uh, hard hard times at the Huskin Bee was a very creepy episode, and um, all the um, all the creepy pumpkin people. Uh, Pottsfield is actually it's probably a um, a mix up of the term Potter's Field, which is an old timey phrase for a place where they would bury unknown people. So that would make sense because of all mm-hmm. the skeletons at the end. You know, so there's a little, little tidbit for you. Because we, we're only two episodes in at this point. And, and we're already dealing with possessed skeletons. Yeah, they're <laughs> their own grave. And, you know, it's not revealed that it's for other these other skeletons. And it gets sort of frightening. Like, man, what sort of situations are they going to get put in? And then it flips on its head and it's actually pretty tame. And uh, the pumpkin They're actually and... really happy to see their skeleton brethren come back. <laughs> they're like, hey, good to have you back tone one way and then flipped it and you know it was like one of the themes of fear like you fear what you don't know you fear the unknown and so they don't know and they're basically assuming the worst yeah we're Mm -hmm. digging our own graves oh no this is horrible they're gonna kill us ah but actually when you put a little perspective and light into it it was actually fine this whole time like you really were just doing community service (laughs) <laughs> yep i sentence you to a few hours of community service and i love the montage afterwards they're like super happy and having fun like out in the fields like doing work and stuff it probably feels great because they're out in the autumn you know so i really liked all that stuff it it had unexpected cute surprises i guess we can say mm-hmm. so and then the chapter three school town follies and songs of the dark lantern i loved all the songs um in yeah. the in, in chapter four, the Highwayman song was great. That was based off of a um, a black and white live action film from way back in the day called Minnie the Moocher, and it had a song and dance sequence where um, there was, you know, uh, there was kind of a, a dance that was in that style. Don't get it twisted; it was not a Disney animated short, despite the name Minnie. And so, you know, you can always go look it up on YouTube. I'm sure it's up there. I like. Um, oh, I don't know. The School Town Follies was pretty fun. Yeah, that whole episode was, they had a lot of really good moments. And the fact that the dad of the school teacher, like, he gets all afraid because his, no, I didn't buy this this school for fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I bought it specifically to teach animals to read and write. <laughs> and then he has to sell these instruments, and then the instruments go, like, are stolen. And he's like, what is going on? And um, it's, a, it's a charity festival. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, what's the, pl-? they're like, all right, we're going to sneak out there and get him. And Craig's like, and steal his stuff or something like that. He's just totally <laughs> random with what he wants to do. But that's kind of what they had to do. 
so that they could do their grand their grand um, benefit concert with potatoes and molasses. <laughs> I liked that weird sequence when um, I think it was called "Ringing of the Bell" or "Babes in the Woods," chapter seven and eight, when Greg falls asleep wishing on the star um, that uh, he wants to help Greg. And so he's like summoned up into the stars and there's all these funny furry animals and stuff. And it, it all kind of looked like an old, like Betty Boop kind of like, uh, you know, Fleischer studios, you know, Felix, the cat, you know, old silly symphonies type of vibe, you know, with mm-hmm. the, the kind of old school looking animation of the dancing and singing, um, you know, with all the greeting committees where it's like, oh, really? There's a third committee? Are they, where are the other committees? And then it snaps to this weird, creepy image of like a creepy beast that's all depressed and it's gray and dark and gloomy. He's like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> right after that. And so that was kind of cool. Yeah, of course, unique... I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying that was a unique episode in what it was able to do it we entered yet another world, the dream world. I felt like this was a video game, you know? It's not like a Latin video oh, yeah. game where... You go to you Sky enter World. This, you enter this random dream cloud world that isn't in the movie, uh, and you do it for an episode, and you go on to the next thing. Like, very episodic. Mm-hmm. I think it worked best that they put it in a miniseries as opposed to a film. What, the dream sequence? No, the whole thing. Like, in, instead of making this, because we say that it is um, basically the, the length of a feature film, but I think it worked out a whole lot better making it short, you know, episodic like that as opposed to making it one film. Because then if you're watching it as one film in theaters, like type, people might get confused. If it were a feature film, I feel that it, the story arc would be structured in such a different way. We would yeah. have a little minute let's introduce something let's you know have a resolution um it would just have much more of an overarching uh theme that would you know would be introduced very early on and then it would be concluded you know near the end i feel like everything would have to have its resolution at the end for this to work and i michael did that they you know it was actually very hard to write for this as a Mm -hmm. miniseries and people asked oh would you do another miniseries again he was like maybe it was just really hard and i understand because it is a mini series it's not a full feature film and but it's so short every episode it really Mm -hmm. you start talking about a certain thing and then you know two minutes later there's resolution yeah i I i have a theory that it's yeah i have a theory that it's even harder to make a short animated film than it is to make a feature length animated film (laughs) just because your writing and your story has to have to be spick and span. Mm -hmm. I think if they had made this into a feature film, they would have put, they would have had to put everything in, in chapter nine at the beginning of the film. They would have to show the exposition. Hey, modern day, this is how we got here. Dream world. This is how we get back home, you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't think it would be that cool. No. Yeah. I think that's the big reveal that makes it so satisfying is that you've been invested this whole time and then finally in episode nine you find out oh it all makes sense now you know that's why they're wearing those clothes that's why it's wearing a teapot and i'll be honest you know it's like chelsea said you know fairy tales you just kind of accept the fairy tale and its rules for what it is so when i saw them wearing their clothes i never really questioned it i just thought (laughs) okay (laughs) everything else here is bonkers let's move on and but it really did 
uh, come to light in that episode. I'm like, oh, it's Halloween. You're not just a dunce. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and there, well, there's that one part where they're like, they're like, where, what are you? What are you supposed to be? Oh, I don't know. I just kind of, kind of thought I'd throw something. <laughs> he never finishes it because he doesn't know why he dressed that way. He just put something kind of cool on. <laughs> what a cool cosplay, though. Oh, Once yeah. I cut my hair shorter, maybe I'll do that for Halloween. You see to do that, or if you keep your hair long, you could be Riley's imaginary boyfriend from Inside. Oh yeah. Yes. I die for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So another thing I noticed is how the weather turns at the end of the series, it turns from autumn to winter, which is kind of cool to watch. And there's definitely a a transitionary quality in there, you know, thematically. And um, by the time you see the epilogue where you, you see most of the, you know, mostly all the major characters in the series are doing all right again, you know, now that the beast isn't threatening them, it is completely winter now. So it kind of marks a complete change in the unknown. So I I liked that. Yeah. I really liked the ending. I like the big reveal of the beast and the huntsman and and what his motives were, why he was doing what he was doing. And it, it just had a great payoff for me. It mm-hmm. wasn't just surface level. It wasn't some like something gimmicky. It was something totally new that I hadn't seen before. And yeah. I really felt that it paid off and worked very well. I was so I was so happy and a little emotional that the woodcutter's daughter came back. She just popped up <laughs> from the house, you know. But that was cute. Hey, did you all notice that the here's a Here's something to watch out for, something that no one has talked about yet on in all these YouTube videos and all these analyses, that the epilogue... Okay, there's two points in the series, at least, when you see through a uh, like a mask, like a Photoshop mask. And one of them is where... is through most of the cloud area, like the stars, celestial area, where Greg goes when he wishes upon the star. Almost when it goes through his vision, all you see is the frame through like a circle. If you go back to to chapter seven or eight, he sees almost everything through like this circle. And, and I was like, well, that's weird. Does Greg have like telescopic vision or something? Because he like zooms in on the north wind and all that stuff. The epilogue is framed in an oval filter or like an oval mask, you know, speaking in Photoshop terms. And so mm-hmm. I would I would want now I want to go back and watch and watch for everybody in the show who has the oval shaped eyes instead of circle shaped eyes because maybe they have something to do with everything that's been going on hmm. um, in the series. So I don't know, maybe that's just a, a red herring or a wild bantha chase or something like that. But I, I think there might be something there. Theory. <laughs> a, a Mason theory, if you will. But I, I don't know what the theory <laughs> is because I'm, I'm going to watch for someone with oval shaped eyes. Surely there's a wiki that has all the characters. There is an Surely. wall wiki. I was looking at it earlier and they have, it's funny, they have protected pages. So it's like, some of our pages are protected. If you want to view them, you must contact a moderator. I'm like, wow. Whoa, you know I mean? protected pages. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so creepiest moment in all of Over the Garden Wall. Go. For me, it was the very beginning when that, like, the fake beast, what they thought was the beast, which was like the Ooh, wolf thing. Yeah, when he goes in and he gets sucked into the well, not the well, but the... Um, the, the churning wheel yeah the wheel and then he just what comes out is the turtle like 
What is yeah. this? Yeah, note to self, never let your dog eat a small black turtle, which are everywhere in the show. That's Yeah, weird. I don't, what is the deal with these turtles? And that well, was the beginning. I was like, I need to know what the deal is with this turtle thing, because they're everywhere. Well, if you go back always... to, if you go well, back to episode nine in Wirt's room, there's like a poster of a black turtle. Well, but they're also in the water. That's why there's a lot of frogs. They're in the water yeah. in their real life, kind of drowned, basically. And so, oh, yeah. And so it would be surrounded by turtles and frogs and amphibians and sort of things like that. Like that that's yeah. Yeah, but I was really curious about that. I don't think that ever got explained, like, what was the whole black turtles thing? Because there's a whole barrel of them in the episode with Lorna. And that no, brings me. Oh, go ahead. Well, does that mean that it, they are. The, all the turtles come in right before or right after something scary or something unknown? I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch. All right, so that brings me to my creepiest moment, and that is Lorna's transformation um, in um, the episode where um, where they see Auntie Whispers. Because mm -hmm. you find out that the monster isn't Auntie Whispers, it's Lorna that she's the one who eats the people and then arranges their bones, organizes their bones in the basement. And then when they turn around and see her and she's this like horrible, creepy monster looking thing, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, never mind. I can't let my kids watch this. <laughs> that was terrifying. Yeah. It was. It was so scary, but it she gets cured, I guess. Was it like, did you find it to be Watership Down terrifying? Well, Watership Down was terrifying in that it was shocking how brutal it was. Yeah. This was a straight-up horror element, how she yeah. turned into, a, a like, a creepy vampire lady with giant teeth. Yeah. Disturbed by Watership Down that much, but this, I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> it was really freaky. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I like a good spooky, you know, spooky cartoon film, whatever. Oh, um, come to an yeah. end, do you think... I mean, this. what I loved about this series, this miniseries, is that it's very self-contained. It has a beginning, and it has a very clear end. And mm -hmm. everything kind of wraps up. It even says that at the very end, like, here's a very happy ending for everybody. <laughs> but that people are clamoring for a second season. So do you think that there should be a continuation of the series? That's hard to say. All right, I'm sorry if I offend diehard fans of Over the Garden Wall, but absolutely not. There should not be, like, nothing. Yeah. Leave it the way it is. No sequels, no prequels, no offshoots, no spinoffs. You know? Just leave it. You know? And I mean, of course, Over the Garden Wall had uh, unsolved mysteries and unexplained things, but that's, what's made, that's what makes it so great. If they explained all of it and expanded on all of it, gave everything a reason, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, it wouldn't be Over the Garden Wall anymore. And uh, yeah. animation is a medium for storytelling, and the story has been told. So leave it like that, <laughs> producers, and move on to the next great idea. Move over to move on to the next over the garden wall. You know. I tried to do my thunder tube, and it got tangled I heard up it. in my arm. <laughs> Mation has spoken. <laughs> do you all agree? I absolutely agree. I think yeah. this is perfect. I mean. And that's what makes it so good is that it's just a one-off and it was so great. It was moving. It was terrifying. It was funny. It was all these things. 
Um, and it would just be really hard to recreate. I know there's the temptation to do that, but I mean, think of the situation and just the big reveal that made this so satisfying. It's because there was so many unknowns, but now it's like, what are they going to trip in the, in the lake or the river this time? And, Go into the over. <laughs> they're gonna again. bring, like, they're gonna bring yeah. Sarah along with them, like Back to the Future too. <laughs> yes. Hey Doc, let's go. <laughs> yeah, leave it. It's good. Like maintain your legacy at your high point. Yeah. Like okay, I hate this is nothing animation related, but this, uh, you know me, I'm a huge fan of Survivor. There's some people on Survivor that have such a great legacy the first time around that they're these all-star players people love them they don't end up winning or maybe they do but then they go back for an all-star season and their reputation is just totally tarnished because they get voted off early first they're just mm. moves and you know it kind of puts them down a few notches because of that and so i think it can totally relate to anything it's just you're number one let's stay that way let's leave you at a really high note in people's minds you can't beat pigs with pigs can't beat pigs with pigs <laughs> yeah yeah Unless you're, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it, but I'm, I'm, I don't like all the, I don't like when you expand uh, the universe of an intellectual property so much to where it, it's just all over the place. It becomes, it becomes public domain pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like some sequels. I like some spinoffs, but uh, keep over the garden wall exactly as it is. I will permit a comic book adaptation, which there is. Well, you got that. <laughs> All right. So we asked our listeners on Facebook and Twitter. We said, what is your favorite moment from Over the Garden Wall? And Rachel says, I think Auntie Whispers and Lorna is my favorite. I love Beatrice. Uh, Rapunzel De La Torre says, the lumberjack turning off the lantern, as well as confronting the beast, as well as the daughter coming back at the end, crying emoji. Corazon says, potatoes and molasses. Greg is <laughs> adorable. Adriana says the entirety of the last two episodes because it wraps up the story beautifully. And Trish has a two part. She says, um, the whole thing is terrific, but my favorite things nobody mentioned yet are the highwayman and Greg's dream. Awesome. Ooh, man. The highwayman. The book King has another shout out for potatoes and molasses. He says everything about the last two episodes and anti whispers, man, we have a lot of people commenting. This is great. Eric says, I really like the flashback to Halloween night when the story began. It really comes together. There we go. See, that's what's so great. There's such a payoff in these mm -hmm. last So I'm not going to read all of them. I'll include a link to this Facebook and Twitter post so you guys can comment as well and see what other people wrote. But Wow. Thank so many responses. We don't even have time to say them all. I know. <laughs> all right. Let's wrap it up. Let's rate it. All right. As a TV show, miniseries. I, well, miniseries is what I'm going for. Um, as a miniseries, I give it uh, four and a half stars. We'll go with that. I mean, like the payoff, every, like it was just had everything you'd want out of a miniseries, I would say. I'm going to also give it four and a half stars. I thought that it was very pleasant, despite its, you know, macabre sort of themes and tones. Uh, like I've been mentioning, it seems like the the buzzword for this episode is payoff. It just had a, such a wonderful payoff. I got really invested in the characters. The music was lovely. The animation was lovely. The voice acting. Um, all around, it, you look at these individual pieces, like 1930s music and really kind of dopey humor, really bonkers <laughs> characters. Um, individually, they 
don't seem like they would work together at all. But that is the masterpiece of this is that they do. They mesh mm-hmm. and blend so well. So I'm going to give it four and a half stars. Guys, give it at five stars. This is why, as many of you know, I think one of the, I think maybe there were two films that I've given five stars on the podcast. I know that one of them is The Lion King, which I consider to be just darn near perfection. Um, but The Lion King is a film and this is a miniseries, so I don't feel bad giving a miniseries <laughs> five stars when there's a Lion King that has five stars. So, <laughs> But you know what? It is just near darn near perfect this this uh miniseries i love how self-contained and how thoroughly thought out and intertwined it is i think the animation is beautiful i love uh the style of it all like morgan said you know this kind of turn of the century type look and all the quirky characters i mean i was looking through one of my old sketchbooks and i like i drew something months ago that looks like just like the beast wow (laughs) i was like i know and I'm using this for a computer game that I'm programming right now. And I'm like, great. I don't want people to draw unfair, unfair parallels <laughs> and say that I was just copying off over the garden wall. Cause I just saw it today for the first time. But, um, you know, I, I love, I love the adventure and I love the, the scariness and I love the quirkiness and the humor. I think it all blends together into something that's truly unique that rises above the rest of the um you know mature audience cartoons that have been out uh, recently and you know in, in the past years by a cartoon network nickelodeon and, and whatever and so i feel right my soul feels right with me giving it five stars not on a film basis but on a mini series basis <laughs> that's how i'm justifying it, it why do you fun. have to justify it's your score it doesn't matter <laughs> this is our opinions this doesn't mean that this is the you know, this is law. This is the gospel, you know, because the rotoscoper said it was five or four and a half stars. It is. No, that's the thing. It's just our opinions. It's just, it's just my opinion. You know, (laughs) I I feel good. I I feel great giving it five stars. I feel good about myself. Perfect. Good. And isn't that the most important thing that Mason feels good about himself? Write a loving letter, boy, the swoops and sleeps and curls. Calligraphers are just a thing to help you win your girl. Then you'll need to dress up smart, the tailor's here by chance. The stitch your trousers, hold your belt, and find culture of friends. Your shoes, my goodness, how they're worn, but you're too young to know. Nothing courts a woman's scorn more than scuffs on the toe. The cobbler can attend to that, meanwhile you must have cake. The baker and patissier need work, for goodness sake. I... So let's move into our voicemail segment. We got three voicemails and two of them are from patrons and one of them is from a familiar voice. So our first one we are going to listen to is from Rachel. Hi, Rotoscopers. I'm so excited. You guys are doing Over the Garden Wall. I love the podcast and I just thought this was the most brilliant series. I couldn't believe how much story they were able to pack into these shorts. I love the music. I love the design, the, the 2D animation, just everything about it uh, was amazing and brilliant. And I was just curious if there was a segment or a character that you related to the most. I think that Wirt is a very relatable character. I think his uh, reactions and responses and just his weaknesses are very, uh, are, are a lot of weaknesses that you and I and most people have. And so I really like him and 
there are just so many things about it that I liked. So I was just curious, and I would look forward to hearing your response. You know, I feel I have, I have a lot in common with the Beast. I'm just kidding. Um, uh, Greg is definitely the one I relate to the most just because he's so random and off the wall. And people who know me know that, like, the first thing out of my mouth when I'm talking to you is usually something ridiculous. So. Yeah, I agree with Rachel. I think Wirt is very relatable because I think we all have those fears and those doubts. Uh, we can get defensive. We can kind of get stuck in our ways. Um, so to see him and to see his growth, I see, I could definitely make that assumption. I do not see myself as a Greg, unfortunately. I don't see myself really as either. I have like moments of, of them I, I though. Beatrice, because I can be a little sassy pants. <laughs> <laughs> sassy little bluebird. All right, who's next? All right, our next one is from Aja. Hi, Roadscopers, this is Asha here. Words cannot describe how ecstatic I am that you guys are tackling Over the Garden Wall in tonight's episode, as it is hands down my favorite cartoon of all time. Um, for me, it's this surreal, haunting, beautiful, and incredibly touching fairy tale with unforgettable characters and a whole lot of parallels, mysteries, and symbolism thrown in for good measure. Um, so with regards to that, my question for you guys is, what do you think the unknown really is? I'm sure we've come across the Dante his inferno comparisons and i know the popular consensus amongst fans seems to be that word and greg are caught sort of between life and death in a kind of purgatory um but i recently came across the following quote from patrick McHale that gave me a lot more to ponder so he said but maybe it's not only about life and death Maybe it's also about reality versus fantasy and about dreams versus wakefulness. The unknown is literally the unknown. There are stories that were once told and are gone forever. Words that have been spoken and forgotten. Ideas that have been thought but lost. And there's plenty of stuff mankind has never thought of and will never think of. The unknown is all that stuff. If there is more to the universe than what humans can perceive, and of course there is, then maybe everything that can ever be conceived is floating around somewhere unseen and unknown in some abstract way. So maybe Wirt and Greg get a glimpse of it and make sense of these abstract concepts the best way they can understand goofy cartoon stories. End quote. Um, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. So thank you for everything you do. Your podcast is easily the best thing on my iPod, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Yay! Oh, Aja, uh, you hit the nail on the head with the the second, the quote that you said about the unknown. I think that probably comes the closest to what I personally believe the unknown is. Yeah, I, that was, you can't get better than that quote. Awesome. No, she's like she wanted our opinions, and then she's like, but here's the most awesome thing you're going to hear. But here's this. something that trumps all of your opinions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next one and our finale is Sarah. Smell for episode number 102, which is, according to Mason, Fritz the Cat. Um, <laughs> unless he was pulling my leg. Then, if so, can we bring back Mason shaming from episode 76? Oh, no. um, yeah, I'm not going to be watching that, obviously, because. Yeah, you know why. Um, but I thought of a new slogan for you guys, and I hope you like it. Stay in mathematics. Once you join, you can never go back. <laughs> and here a quick voicemail. Love you guys. I'm Morgan Mason and Chelsea. Have a good day. Ain't I a stinker? 
I did not preview these voicemails ahead of time. And yes, Mason was trolling in the comments of our last episode. Rotoscope is 101. And uh, he said that our next episode was going to be Fritz the Cat. Which it was not if you've listened to the whole thing. Like, hopefully you did not think this was some sort of cloak discussion of Fritz the Cat because it was not. Uh, however, this does bring up a great point. We now, at the bottom of the website, um, you know, I was pretty good about updating this and... It's summer, right? We're busy during summer or lazy. Uh, and so there is a section on the bottom footer of the website that has our recording schedule. Since we are doing live shows now, we definitely want you guys to join and we want you guys to be prepared and send in questions. So right there, it shows what day we are going to be recording. So from here on out, we're going to be recording um, Mondays or every other Monday at 530 Pacific, 730 uh, Central Time. And so I have the list of the next five or so episodes that will be uh, movies that we'll be recording. And basically we're going to record on that Monday. And then if you are unable to join, then that episode will be released on a Friday, that following Friday, except for this episode, because Mason was going to be out of town. So we had to bump the recording up one week early. And if that's the case, we'll put a little uh-huh. down there, you know, letting you know things have changed. But from here on out, just basically, you know, if you're looking forward to our Friday release, it's the Monday before that when we go live and record. Um, and of course, you can, if you subscribe to us on YouTube and you don't want to wait for us to release it on Friday, you can just watch the video version on our YouTube channel, which basically once we hit end stream, it's live for you guys to watch. So it doesn't have the music. It's not going to be as tightly edited as the audio version. But uh, yeah, that's the update on the new Animation Addicts process from here on out. Yeah, and you know, so much of the show now, um, it it uh, depends on your participation, whether you're a fan or, or a or a Patreon su- subscriber. Like, we really want to engage with y'all, and we love communicating and fanboying, fangirling out with y'all on the website and, and you know, on the live chat and stuff. And so, we really appreciate all the support we've gotten from the Roto Nation and our our fans and listeners. I consider them more friends than fans. Yeah, Roto friends, the Roto gang. We're still all Roto friends to think of a name for our collective community whether you're a patron or not because everyone is a roto friend uh i'll include in the show notes another link to that poll or you can go to rotoscopers.com slash 101 the poll will be there just a heads up our next episode we are going to record it is going to be fantastic mr fox so get ready for that that is a really awesome film we're really excited that is one of my favorite stop motion films ever Another patron's choice. This is AJ. And so we're excited to do his request. And um, then after that, Lilo and Stitch. And then after that, Hotel Transylvania 2. So that's basically the next month's worth of episodes. Two months, basically. So get watching, guys. Led through the mist By the milk light of moon All that was lost is revealed Our long bygone burdens Mere echoes of the spring But where have we come And where shall we end If dreams can't come true Then why not pretend well, it has officially, the sun has officially gone down outside and turned into nighttime. So I lost my daylight, my natural light. So I, time to hitch up the wagon and, and happy trails. Yes, of course, for all show notes, you can find this at rotoscopers.com slash 102. That's where you can find the discussion and the Mason trolling. Um, you know, 
we will not be doing Fritz the Cat, but let's see what Mason says in, in the show notes. <laughs> um, that's will include all the links to the YouTube videos that Mason was referring to, all the interviews, basically anything that's an external link that we were using as a source other than Wikipedia, because you can find that yourselves. We use Wikipedia for just the basic you know, when it came out and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, yes. Find all that there. Also give us a hashtag on Twitter, hashtag animatics and hashtag animatics zero one zero two for this specific episode. And definitely. Okay. We gave you the list of episodes that we're doing the, for the next few episodes, or we gave you the list of movies that we're doing for the next few episodes. So send us voicemails. We want to hear your reviews of those films. Um, rotoscopers.com slash voicemails, or you can give us a call on your phone at four zero six six four six six five seven five. Um, so yes, thank you so much. Subscribe on iTunes. You know, the same old jazz that we say every episode. You can find me on Twitter at Morgan Stradling. You can find Mason on Twitter at MasonMSTX. And of course... SMTX. Oh, yeah. I've done this how many times and I still can't get it right? Somewhere out there, there's an MSTX, Mason MSTX on Twitter who's like, why do people keep talking about animation to me? And I'm Chelsea- a waste disposal engineer. Chelsea, you can find at Chelsea Robson. So thank you guys so much. I have absolutely loved this new format of show that we're doing with, you know, people. We had um, upwards as much as 20 plus people watching live. And I know it doesn't seem like very much, but considering before it was just the three of us, just hearing these people in the comments, these people, hearing our friends in the comments um, and being able to interact with them. And and it really enlivens the discussion. So thank you so much. Thanks to the patrons. We love you guys. And until next time. We are the Rotoscopers! There's always work for everyone when little boys get married.